0: Welcome to Concordia Center for Spiritual Living. We are a New Thought spiritual community in Rhode Island that's dedicated to practical spirituality and activities that can empower you to create a life of abundance, health, joy, and meaning. As you listen to this recording of a recent talk given at the Center, please know that wherever you are on your spiritual path, we are knowing God's highest and best for you. this month we're talking about the awakened heart and love out loud you know what does an awakened heart mean and how does it relate to loving out loud this is more than just some emotional state And I'm sure many of you would just would would go that it is. That what we're talking about is more than just just feelings that are that are there at the that is that is at the surface. An awakened heart encapsulates, in fact, a way of being. It is a way of being. It is a way of us living out loud as one who is awake, awake to love, awake to truth. Awake to principle, awake to, to to what is here emerging and wanting to be known. That we can be channels for that. An awakened heart symbolizes a heart that's liberated from judgment and fear and scarcity. It's a heart and, and an unknowing of our intrinsic value and our purpose and reason and being here. We've done a lot of work, haven't we, this year, to, to excavate that and to, to, to be conscious of that which is wanting to be known. And, and this awakened heart loving out loud is we're going to unpack it throughout this month, and each week we'll build on another concept to take it from ourselves out into the world. Loving out loud means to take love beyond just ourselves, but to be a vocal, active, and transformative agent of change in the world. That we're actually doing something about it. That we love ourselves enough and love others enough to not just sit by on the sidelines waiting and wishing and hoping that someone else would do something about it. But we are awake to to who we are called to be in those circumstances, speaking our truth. So over this next four weeks, I'm going to be, um, of course, using... um, our new thought, our teacher, um, Ernest Holmes, as, as the basis. But I'm also going to be loosely, loosely basing um, the, some of the, the topics that we talk about from this is one of my favorite books now A Fearless Heart. A Fearless Heart by Thutbin Jinpa. How the courage to be compassionate can transform our lives. And I'm really convinced that compassion, compassion in the practice of that, so even, it doesn't have to be religious or even spiritual. Compassion is a means by which the world can be transformed. And, but us here on the inside and spiritual living, we can get some insights and, and we're maybe more, it, it, maybe it my might, compassion might be more accessible to us. But we're going to be talking about that throughout this month to how to love out loud with from our awakened heart. So, you know, before we delve deeper, I want to establish an understanding of compassion. And I don't have a slide for this. I don't have, I'm not, you're not going to be getting a lot of quotes today. So that's an invitation to pay attention. (laughs) And I might repeat myself in order to make sure you got it. And if you're taking notes, well, then that, that might help you too to remember. But here's, here's just one way of looking at compassion. Compassion is the heartbeat of our shared humanity that moves us to see, feel, and respond to the suffering of ourselves and others with fierce care. I'm gonna read that again. Compassion is the heartbeat of our shared humanity that moves us to see, feel, and respond to this suffering of others of ourselves and others with fierce care another way that you could define compassion and this is how Thupten Jinpa talks about in the book not as flowery as I'm bringing it forward to you but compassion is the quality of, um, of that we have that all human beings have it is intrinsic in our nature as human beings compassion to empathize with, with when we witness suffering and have the desire to mitigate that suffering. We see someone struggling and there emerges within us a, some, some intention or desire to help make a difference and to make their lives easier. Now, of course, maybe the older that we've gotten, or maybe I can only speak for myself as I've gotten older, I maybe have become a little bitter and cynical. <laughs> and I may not always have that, that that may not be my first response to want to mitigate suffering, but I know better. And this is why we have these conversations to, to understand and, and remind ourselves of the importance of this human quality that may have been conditioned out of us, but that are he, that is here, in fact, as a doorway and a threshold for us to be the agent of change in the world. It is through compassion. And, it is, and, and that is what we are here to do. How do we set the course to being a way of being this out loud, to be and to live with an awakened heart? You know, I want you to imagine, if you will, that, that each one of us, we're on our own journey, where life, think of you know, life in the world as a map that we're navigating. And it really would be nice if there was a clearly drawn-out map for us. You know, as far as do this, don't do that. But um, if you have such a thing, let me know. <laughs> but as we're navigating our lives, our lives can, can be challenging as well as beautiful. The landscapes that we, that we see and witness as we're navigating, it can feel like just the magnificence. How many of you have ever been to Alaska. You know, Kevin and I went on a, a cruise on my 40th birthday to Alaska, and the only word that I can use, I can use a lot of words, but one word that, that, that comes always to the top around the, the landscape and the vistas and the beauty that I, that I got, that I was privileged to witness, was Magnificence. Magnificence. And so, yes, there are times in our lives that, yes, that the landscape is magnificent. And there's other times where it does feel like the psalmist David um, talks about in the 23rd Psalm. It can feel like that we're walking through the shadow of the valley of death. But either way, regardless of whether the, what the landscape is, is showing us there is within us and within our hands a compass that is leading us forward and our true north that I'm here to share with you and we're going to be talking about this month, our true north in this, um, this compassion, in this, um, in this compass is compassion. Compassion is what is pointing the way for us to move forward in collaboration and cooperation and as a channel for spirit in the world. Now here's the thing with a compass. It needs to be calibrated at times. It needs to be calibrated to the true north. Sometimes it can get a little wonky, and so there are times where you have to, to calibrate it. It needs to be tuned in to the magnetic forces that are there to guide it, and it is the same way our heart as a compass at times needs to be recalibrated, recalibrated spiritually, emotionally, and mentally to make sure that we are moving forward in the direction of our true north of compassion. Being a difference in the world, making a difference in the world, being the change we seek, modeling a life of of unity with, with spirit and with love and with one another, the world is waiting for us. And so we might have to do some recalibrating at times to be effective in our own lives, and our own experience, and for for others. Why should we make uh, compassion the true north? Because that may be, well, there could be other things you decide that that should be that which is guiding us. And there is plenty of evidence as to why compassion is the true north for us to follow. You know, in the book of Fearless Heart, Thap and Jinpa um, give some and We're going to be talking about this on Wednesday. Wednesday evenings, for those that are available and who would like to take this conversation deeper and actually practice some of the things that we'll talk about here, um, but to practice together in group practice, um, so you'll hear more of what Jinpa says on Wednesdays, but he talks about very... um, Scientifically, or just, just statistically, sociologically, as human beings, across every culture, there is the desire to be happy. Would you agree? Can, can you, now, we may know people who, who just resist and refuse to be happy, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that, you know, putting all things aside and all past drama and hurts, that it is truly, just think of little children, they all want to be happy. We all want to be happy. We all want to feel connected. We all want to be seen and heard. And compassion for others is where we are holding the space to actually witness and see others and to support them to have the experience of being seen and heard and yes even being happy it takes all of us it takes all of us but there's several reasons you know from the ancient greeks they held philanthropy as the highest virtue and eastern philosophies compassion is the core of human ethics. And throughout different um, sciences or practices or schools of thought, compassion is an indispensable feature of the good life, of a life worth living. It's our true north. In neuroscience, we know that compassion actually causes things in our brain. and It satisfies needs within our brain um, because acts of kindness, acts of altruism and compassion trigger neurotransmitters uh, that are associated with pleasure, such as ox- oxytocin, not oxytocin, that's something uh. else, oxytocin, dopamine, It feels good. If we have evolved, it feels good to be kind. It feels good to be compassionate and to help alleviate suffering. We are wired to be compassionate because there's an evolutionary advantage to it we wouldn't be here right now if our ancestors and our ancestors of our ancestors did not care and support and help one another through the difficult times to make it to another day. It is part of our DNA. Spiritually, we know this and we hear this in every tradition. Compassion is is hailed as a divine attribute and it is the path to enlightenment In the Judeo-Christian ethic, we are told to love thy neighbor, right? We've all heard that. Love your neighbor. Buddhism has an entire psychology around compassion. And in science of mind and our teaching and philosophy that we embrace here at, at Concordia, compassion aligns and is an expression and a demonstration of our principles of, of, of oneness, of love, of heaven, of spiritual beings. These are just some of our principles. It speaks to the truth of who we are as a spiritual commu- community, that where many hands and hearts come together as one, how can that be the experience that compassion is not what is practice? It's our true north, it's our true north. And some of the real world applications of this and even misunderstandings around this thing called compassion, it's not about feeling sorry for someone, but it is about understanding and empathizing and taking action. It's the mother who feeds her child. It's the citizen who votes for policies that reduce suffering and dismantle systems of oppression. Compassion is the friend who listens to you with an open heart without there to give you advice or or tell you what they think you should do. Compassion is practical and actionable. And it's what brings theories and philosophies and, and all of these things we think and know into daily living. Compassion is practical. So when we say that compassion is our true north, what we're saying is that it is our most reliable guide. It can be sensed and felt. You don't need classes. I'm telling you. You don't need classes to be compassionate. It's inherent in our nature. Are we listening to it? Are we making space for that desire and expressing it and letting it out? Now, remember that our compasses aren't set in stone. There's times we need to make course correction. I will be the first to admit, course corrections is it's part of the path. It's part of the path. But as we're talking about this month let's let's be open to recalibrating let's be open to examining who and what we're being and doing in a world without compassion we're just wandering around we're disconnected we're disconnected we're wondering why you know what's, what's your problem what, what's 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 your pro- what's the problem just do something about that We become susceptible even to the noise, to the noise, the narratives that that are flooding what we refer to as race consciousness of how bad things are and how everyone is suffering. And you should be suffering and you should even be suffering and you're witness of the suffering in the collective, the voices, it's us versus them. It is scarcity over abundance. It is separation over unity. that Those are the messages that we receive. So do you understand why it's important for us to talk about this and remind ourselves of something that is higher, something that is true, something thats that speaks to the reality of our being? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Without tuning into compassion, we will become emotionally malnourished. We will become used up. And instead of being a helpful voice and hand in the world, without recalibrating, without bringing ourselves to to the heart of God in us, then what we become is we become a a repository, a breeding ground, of bitterness, resentment, despair, blame. And I know everyone sitting here, everyone listening, thats that doesn't feel good, and that is not what we are here to do. You know, while we do live at a time where it seems that the collective spirits of, of unity um, seems to have been fractured, It might appear that way. It's an appearance, my friends. And what is ours to know is to challenge our thinking, challenge our thinking when we are noticing separation, what are we doing to heal that in our own minds so that we can serve and be and come from a place where we can be of service. How can you serve? How can, if there is not love in your heart for the other, how can you truly be a help or be a friend? So collaboration is the key, and and it's it's not a one-off event, It's, it's an ongoing practice. And what does that practice entail? Well we're going to be talking about this throughout the month and, and on Wednesday nights for that are able to make it. And know this around Wednesday night, I am referring to that as awakening the heart with compassion. Each week is is unto itself. If you make it for all four weeks and are able to make it Wednesday evening, six thirty to seven, great. I'd love to see you every Wednesday. But if you can only make one, that make it. Give yourself the gift. Give us the gift. of of being in compassion with one another. But this practice, it, it involves introspection, it involves action, it involves mindfulness and engagement. It involves us waking up each day, renewing our intention, actively choosing to be an act, for compassion That's one of the purposes of, of our daily prayer call at 7.30. It's an opportunity for people to come together to, to remind themselves of their truth. You know, Ernest Holmes said, we can only see what we're looking for and we can only become what we're willing to declare we, who we are. I don't have a slide for that, so you're paying attention. If you didn't, I'll read it to you again. We can only see what we're looking for and we can only become what we are willing to declare ourselves to be. What we see in the world, what we see in our families and our coworkers and our friends, what we even see and may witness in our community, is largely dictated, if not entirely dictated, by what is in our own consciousness. It is what is within our own consciousness. The stories and narratives and the meaning that we give, that which we see, well, we will always find what we're looking for. Does anyone Does everyone agree? Yes. We find what we are looking for. Byron Katie says the only world that there is is the one that we believe in. And we will try to argue with that and say, well, no, the world that I believe in is not the wor- the real world. Well, what other world? That's schizof. I mean, that's... You are where you are, looking at what you're looking at. And what we know in this teaching, what we're looking at, we are looking with, it is our consciousness. So these narratives of these stories can act like filters. These narratives that are not in alignment with principle can act, they can cloud up the lenses of our, 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 our vision and of our sight. And so what we see, instead of compassion, are opportunities to connect and to love. What, instead, what we see are opportunities to judge or to fear or to resent. However, when we open up, when we renew our intention that I, I may not know the way, but I am open, There is an intelligence within me. There is a love within me. There is a compassion within me. The heart of God is within me. And it, it is here now cleaning up the lenses of my faulty thinking and restoring me to divine right order so that I am an agent of that life. I am an agent of that love. I am extending compassion and the world is transformed. The world is transformed as we are transformed. I know we look and we want to say, well, it will be better when that becomes better, when that changes. The chicken or the egg? Or let me actually, you know what? Let's not use that one. Cause and effect. That's how the law works. In the context of science of mind, opening is not a vague concept, but it it is alignment. It is about alignment. Opening up is about alignment. And this alignment is of our thought, our word, and our deeds with that direction of our compass. Letting the compass align our actions, our being, and how we're showing up. It's letting our heart point the way instead of what we think or our past experiences dictating to us of what this must look like. When an instrument is out of tune, it don't sound good. It doesn't. I took guitar lessons for, um, for a few years. I still can't play a song for you, you know. I still can't do it. But I even knew enough then, unable to play a song, but I knew that when the guitar was out of tune, it didn't sound right. But when it is tuned, when a musical instrument is tuned, there's harmony, there, there's clarity. And it is the same way with our thoughts, our words, and our actions. If our thoughts, our words, and actions are not in alignment with the truth of heart and compassion, then we, instead of resonating with compassion, love, and goodness, our alignment will be static. It will be noise. It will need to be tuned to be effective. How do we do it? How do we align ourselves? Well, first we start being mindful of our thoughts. What's going on inside of me? Am I feeling cut off? Am I feeling contracted? Am I feeling restricted? That is the effect of what is happening inside of me. Feel it, sense it, know it, recognize it, but don't hang out in that. That feedback is there, not as an invitation to come make a bed in it. It is there as feedback as, just as I'm tuning into the radio, um, does anyone listen to the radio anymore? But do you remember the idea of a radio and you would have to turn the knob in order to, to tune in to the signal? And it was, if it was off, it just didn't sound right? So are our words rooted in compassion? Are our, our judgments, I don't know if I would say that, is it possible for judgment to be rooted in compassion? How about curiosity, interest? When we observe our words, do they reflect kindness? Do they reflect best intentions? Do they reflect the benefit of the doubt? Or instead, are they propagating negativity and all that's wrong? And when we examine our deeds, are, are they expressions of love or are they manifestations of our ego wanting to make sure that our point gets heard? Not that we're there to mitigate the suffering of those that are in front of us and having empathy with those in front of us. Our ego is at, well, me first. Let me explain to you what you really should be doing. This self-scrutiny is not, not, not to be a, an excuse to be uncompassionate with ourselves. This is not about self-criticism, but it's about awareness. If it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't feel good, then can we have enough compassion with ourselves to discover what is there? That what's suffering, what is the cause of the suffering that I'm having? that is calling to be mitigated and resolved. I wanna offer you a, as I'm wrapping up here, that the practice of loving kindness We'll be doing some practice of this in, in our group practice on Wednesday, but for those who may not be able to make it, I just want to give you just, just a visual the, or just something to work with throughout this week, and it is that of loving kindness. How many of you have some uh, furry family members? You know, cats, dogs. Or you've had cats or dogs. Anyone? I mean, as far as that, that feeling. And, and do you know what it feels like when, I mean, little Luna, we have little Frenchie, and she, the food motivated, anything, you know? I mean, anytime she thinks food is happening, she is right there, one paw up, like, do you see me? I'm here. And what that brings up for me, I want her to have treats. Don't you, don't you want them to have... I mean, seeing as you give treats and, and give that to your your, your your pet, or maybe you don't have a pet, but there's a loved one who, who who has a desire for something and you give it to them and you want them to have it and you see them light up and they're just eager for more. Do you, you get the feeling of that? What does that bring in you, that, that feeling? See, this is compassion. This is a flavor of compassion, and from that what we wanna do is extend that feeling at least of well-wishing to those that are around us. I want you to have the best. I want you to have good. We may not agree necessarily, but underneath it all, underneath it all, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live with ease. Bringing that, practicing that, and maybe our hearts are not large enough yet to be able to extend that to everyone. Start where you're at, even if it is only your pet. Mm -hmm. This month we're gonna be working at stretching our hearts to where eventually the hope is that we can open our hearts large enough that we can extend compassion to those who have not, who even those who've demonstrated that they don't know which way is up, uh, which way is up. Mm-hmm. That there's room enough in my heart that I can be compassionate. I can disagree and still be compassionate. I could still want you to have treats. As we proceed this month, let's remember that our compasses, our compasses, that which is leading us forward, requires calibration. It requires us taking time every day and as often as we can to remind ourselves of who we are. We are individualizations of divine love itself. And we are here to be an agent and a channel the hands and the voice of that love. And so compassion is a means by which we can do that. So this month, as we embark on this journey of the awakened heart, let's not just talk about it. Let's just not think about it. Lean in, lean in so that we can be the way showers. The world is waiting for us to live out loud. We're here to make a difference. And until we do, the difference won't be made. Yeah, let us live out loud. Let's love out loud. Peace and love, everyone. Namaste. We hope that you enjoyed this audio recording. For more information about our center, please visit our website at www.concordiacsl.com. You can also visit us online at our Facebook page or our YouTube channel by searching for Concordia Center for Spiritual Living. If you're in the area, come join us at one of our Sunday celebration services. We'd love to welcome you there. Namaste and blessings.